Well, this morning we're going to get into the Word uh, today. We're actually going to be launching a new series this morning, uh, and it's called This Devoted. Devoted. And it's going to be coming out of Acts chapter 2. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there to Acts chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a physical Bible, grab out your phone. Don't check that message that you got before church this morning that you're waiting to reply to. Grab it out. If you have the Bible app, um, feel free to change the translation to ESV just so you can read along with me. Uh, what's the best translation? The one that you read. That is the best translation. Uh, but this morning, I'm just going to be reading from this one here today. Uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 2. We're going to go from verses 42 to 47. And maybe you've heard this before. If you haven't, uh, just have a heart that's open to receive what the Word of God would say to us today. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God, And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing passage of Scripture. Um, Every so often, in fact, at the beginning of the year, um, I do this challenge called the shred. Uh, And it's not a physical body shred. I probably need to do that more often. Uh, But it is a shred of the Bible. It's it's, it's getting bulk in the Bible, in the knowledge and the understanding of the Word. And it's a 30-day challenge where you read the entire Bible in 30 days. It takes about two to three hours of reading each day. And you're probably thinking, I don't have time for that. Check your Netflix history. You probably have time to be able to do that uh, once a year. And so what you do, the whole point is that you read the Bible quickly and you get a full picture version of what's going on. I love sitting in a chapter. I love sitting in a verse and, 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 and unpacking it and learning what the, uh, you know, English is okay, but the original language is able to describe to us so much more. And sometimes we can just get bogged down in those details, though it's so, so good. The point of this shred is that you, you don't look at the leaves, you look at the whole tree. You look at everything that was happening from beginning to end, and you actually get to begin to see these themes and these, um, and these um, occurring events that continue to happen throughout the whole of the Bible, and you see a full picture version of God's heart. You know, sometimes we can get trapped on a story or a verse, and we're like, why did God do that? Or why is God angry or, or this or that? You've got to read the whole thing to understand what is going on in this context, in its time. And this challenge enables you to do that. I'm saying all of that to say this. Um, there, there are a few passages that you come across and you're like, ah, yes, good. This is a good moment in the story of humanity. This is a good moment in the story of God's people. And you're like, I've arrived at something good. And then you only got to flick over the page. You'd be like, ah, they completely ruined it. Ah. And you kind of just have this tension of like, you're reading so much like, oh man, they're missing the mark. Oh man, they, if they would have just listened to what God said only five chapters ago, and they would have just listened to what God said just to the past generation, they wouldn't be in this mess now. I literally, I remember, I, I read uh, Genesis through to, and I got, uh, finished the book of Joshua where they take the land and, I, and they're like, yes, okay, we've taken the land. And then literally Judges begins with, 
And there arose a time where people forgot about God and his law and his ways. And you read tragic, like absolutely, to be honest, messed up stories about how when people departed from God. But there were these nuggets of gold as you read the whole of the way through and you, you almost breathe in. It's like, ah, oh, yes, like, come on. It's like the end of a movie. The bad guy's dead. The hero's won. But the thing is, the movie doesn't end the Bible. It just keeps going on. And it keeps re- recycling itself in this journey of humanity, trusting God and not trusting God, following God's ways and not following God's ways. Some of these moments are when Joseph, uh, when Joshua led the people into the promised land. You're like, okay, yes, this, this has been a big theme from beginning to this point here. God's been really trying to get people to this point. Uh, another moment is when uh, they possess that land, but also Josh, uh, Joseph delivering his family from, um, from the, the famine. It's like, oh, wow, like you can see that like, his journey was from the, the pit to the prison to the, now to the palace. And you're like, okay, this is a great moment, not just for Joshua, but for the whole people of, of Israel and also Egypt at that time. And then those moments where the, the few kings that did well, you're like, ah, oh, this is great. This is a good moment. And you breathe in and you're like, yes, this is a moment where it's almost like this is what heaven could look like when people obey God and when people do his ways. And it's like everything's perfect and there's unicorns and there's pixie dust. And it's like, yes, this is awesome. Well, this passage that we've just read this morning is one of those moments. Acts chapter 2. It's like, yes, this is it. This is, this is what it's all been leading up to. This is what happens when people trust God. This is what happens when people put their all into God. This is what happens when people are devoted to God. This is what happens. People are blessed. People are are empowered. People are at peace. There is incredible unity. God's moving in signs and in wonders. There's an awe that's come upon people. And you breathe in and you're like, yes, this is awesome. Who's read this passage and gone, man, I wish this was the reality of, of where we are at. We, I've got to tell you, it's actually, it's possible. It's happened before and it can happen again. Just to kind of give a bit of a context as to what we're reading. We're reading the book of Acts. Jesus has just died uh, only 50 days before this and has risen from the dead, was with the disciples for 40 days. And the disciples then enter a 10-day prayer meeting leading up into the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. And so they arrive at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fills all people. This is Acts chapter 2. And then Peter delivers that famous sermon. Uh, The one who denied Jesus three times is now leading 3,000 people to Jesus in boldness, in conviction. The end of the message, the people were cut to the heart, the Bible says, and asked, what do we do? And Peter says, don't go live a comfortable life. He says, repent. And believe and follow God's ways. And these are the verses that follow. Let's read them again. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And from this point of the Holy Spirit filling all people and Peter calling the people to repent. This is what this is the fruit of that moment. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Think about this: this, this sense of humility, this sense of teachability and hunger. It's a beautiful sight. And the fellowship. There's this crazy level of unity and compassion and love and togetherness and family. Continuing on to the breaking of bread. I love this, that despite all the good things that are happening, Christ is still at the center of everything that they are doing. 
There's a sense of hospitality. They're not just meeting just in the temple, but they're meeting in homes, having fellowship together, breaking bread. Enter the prayers. Amazing. People talking to God. People praying together in the temple, but also people praying personally. Verse 43. This is the fruit of what 42. What they did in verse 42, the fruits of that are expressed in verse 43 onwards. And awe came upon every soul. If you've been with us on this journey for a little while, you would have remembered that message I spoke about, about the fear of man and the fear of God. Right here, there's a laying down of the fear of man and there's an embrace of the fear of God. There's this awe. Remember, the fear of God is awe. It's God is awesome. And so because of this awe, because of the fear of God, many signs and wonders were being done in and through the people. Can you just take my phone, babe, because Suri's thinking I'm talking to her and I'm... Uh, Like, Siri needs Jesus, but like, I'm trying to talk to this room right now. Signs and wonders were happening. Displays of God, miracles and healings. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I know when we read that, there's a sense in us of like, wow, that would be awesome. But it's impossible. But it's not. It's It's happened. It is possible. God asks us to do the possible and God does the impossible within us. And this is one of those impossible things that God did. There's this sense of of unity to the point where everyone is on the same page, where everyone is playing the same game. There's a sense that there's no class in this moment, that from, from the rich to the poor, everyone here is on the same level. The people are selling everything that they've worked for, everything that they've been trying to do and giving to all who had need. And it's not just a give and here you go, see you later. It's a give and I want to do life with you. It's a crazy level of community and unity. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings. There's an outrageous generosity. And there's this, that like greed is, is, is not within the bounds of this community. That there's no one here that's, that's seeking after self or it's, it's whoever has need, I'm going to give and make sure that that can happen. Distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Here we see an absolutely radical lifestyle, a lifestyle of not just meeting together once a week, but daily meeting together, daily praying, daily sharing what God's telling them, daily breaking bread, daily fellowship, daily sitting under the apostles' teaching. Amazing, radical lifestyle. In verse 47, praising God. You know, this amazing thing here, I love that this part is in here. Above all of that, everything is happening, God must be praised. And the reason that God is being praised is because everything that is happening within that community. And having favor with all the people. Again, this unity, there's this favor amongst those who probably were foes before, but now there's this sense of love and camaraderie and unity. And this is the best part. This is my most favorite part. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God so saw this community of love where there's no greed, there's radical generosity, there's a radical lifestyle, there's a commitment to God like never before, daily going to the temple, daily sitting under the apostles' teaching, daily praying and seeking the face of God. And what does God say? God's favor, God's hand comes upon that community and says, you know what? I'm going to add to this community. 
I'm going to add. I'm going to, this is a good community. This is, this is good. This is, this is pleasing to me. I, in my sovereignty, I'm going to add to this. I'm going to make this expand because it is good. God looked at this community and saw it was fit for blessing. And the question one that we need to ask ourselves, verse 47, that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why? God doesn't do anything flippantly. God doesn't just go, oh, I feel like this today. No, there's always a desire. There's always a plan. There's always intentionality. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, why did God bless this community? Just think about it for a second. I've kind of unpacked why. What an amazing community. What a, what a place of health. What a place of strength. What a place of unity. God God can't help but bless what is happening in that space. The psalm says that God bestows his blessing on the people where there is unity. And unity takes so many things to happen. But God in this moment says, what a picture of of who I am. I'm going to bless that. That people are truly expressing my heart. It is a picture of heaven on earth. But here's the thing. The fruits, the environment... The, the fruits of this community did not just produce itself. It, it didn't just appear. It, it wasn't a genie moment. It didn't just kind of happen by accident. The reason that this environment, in God's eyes, was a place that he wanted to bless, the reason that this environment was healthy, the reason that this place was a place that God wanted to bless is because the people put the work in and it came into being because of their devotion. It came into being because of their devotion to God and the things that he had asked them to do. And so this morning, what I'm going to do, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking a few of those things that the people devoted themselves to so that we could become a picture of this community as well. Who wants the blessing of God? Who wants the favor of God upon your life and upon this house? You know, if you put God's house first as a priority in your life, it'll bless your life. Why? Because when you come to church, you'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. You'll be enriched. And as all of us come with a devoted heart, I believe we're going to see the hand and favor upon our church in Jesus' name. And so this morning, the first thing that we're going to focus on is their devotion to prayer. Their devotion to prayer. The title of my message this morning is this, Devoted to Prayer. What do you think of when you hear the word devoted? It's, it's a word that we, we commonly use. Sometimes as uh, people who are athletes, we're like, wow, that person's so devoted to their training. They're so devoted. It's AFL final seasons right now. These people, they're devoted, day in, day out, committed to what they need to do. You know, at a funeral, you'll often hear the phrase, this person was devoted to fill in the blank. This person was a devoted husband. This person was a devoted wife. This person was a devoted mother or father or grandparent. They were devoted to their family. They were devoted to their work. You know, when people interview celebrities, they'll, you know, often give the shout out. I just want to give a shout out to my devoted fans. Love them, appreciate them. This word devoted, it's it's within our our culture and and it's a part of who we are and what we do. And as I was thinking about how to articulate what this word devoted means. It's so important. We've, we've called the series Devoted. We need to understand what devoted means. I couldn't help but think of John and Margaret. And I'm putting them under the spotlight this morning. John almost just like fell out of his chair just then. And I was thinking, man, these guys, they're amazing people. But you know what? It's been a tough, it's been a tough year as, a, as an Eagles fan. It's, it's been rough. It's been hard. 
And these guys aren't your typical fans. You know, during this season, I've, 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 I've had a chat with a few of my, I'm a Frio fan if, you, if you're unaware. And I know, it, there's issues there. Pray for me later, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I've gone up to people who in, in years past, they're like, oh, I'm an Eagles fan, ride and die. Like, I'm in there. But this year, nothing. Just totally quiet. There's nothing happening. They're not even watching the games anymore. It's, it's been a rough year. But these two, they don't just watch the game at home. They've been at every home game. Most Sunday mornings, I'm like, did you go to the game last night? It was raining the night before. They're like, yeah, yeah, we are there. It was raining. Like, we were there. We're devoted. We're, 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 we're in there. And I was thinking of this word devoted. And I was thinking about how to articulate this. I thought of John and Margaret. Their devotion to the West Coast Eagles, it, it's up there. It's, it's one of the best. That They're there when it's raining, even though they're going to lose by 100 points. They're there. They're devoted. And you know what? That next grand final is going to feel so good for them more than anyone else because they were there in the hard times. That's what devoted is. Devoted isn't just being devoted in the mountaintop moments. It's being devoted in the valleys. That we're there. We're consistent. That It's not just when we feel like it. We're committed for the long haul. In, in life's highs, in life's lows, we are devoted. Here's what this word, uh, the original word means. It's going to come up on the screen. Devoted. To continue. To be steadfast. Another word for steadfast is faithful. Faithfulness. To adhere to one to be, uh, be his adherent, to be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive and to give unremitting care to a thing, to persevere and not to faint, to be in constant readiness for one, to wait on one constantly. This is what this word devoted means. In this community, it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves they persevered. They didn't faint. When it was raining, they still rocked up. When it was tough, they were there. They devoted themselves to a few things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And because of that, all of these things flowed on from there. Because of their devotion to the apostles' teaching, because of their devotion to fellowship, because of their devotion to breaking bread, keeping Christ at the center, and because of their devotion to prayer, all of these amazing things that when we read this passage, man, I wish that was where we're at. It actually takes work. It actually takes devotion to get to this place of blessing. And so this morning, I want to ask this question. Are you devoted to prayer? Is prayer something that you're devoted to? Sure, you, you might pray once every so often or when there's a need or when there's something that you want or when you're feeling low or even when you're feeling high. We, we might pray, but are you devoted to prayer? Is prayer something that you would do no matter what is going on in your season? Is prayer a priority? Is, 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 is prayer something that's, that's put off to the side and, and when everything lines up, when the stars all line up in my life, that then I'll pray? Or, or is there a sense of devotion within me that I want to seek the face of God? I am devoted to consistently meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, I hear a lot of people say, why can't we be like the early church? Because you don't pray. Why can't it look like this? Why can't it look like that? Because there's no devotion to prayer. You know, you call a prayer meeting. I've been in ministry for a long time now. Average, you're going to get 5% of the church rock up to that prayer meeting. And I understand it. I get it. Life is busy sometimes. But it's not just about coming to temple prayer. How's your personal prayer going? How's your personal walk with Jesus going? When it comes to obviously reading a word, but also talking to him, praying, asking, 
Is prayer something you pick up when you need it? Or is it daily devotion? Is I'm committed to seeking the face of God. You know, I'm so stirred right now. I don't know if you can feel it or sense it. I'm so stirred to pray. I'm reading right now um, Pastor Yongi Cho's book. Actually, Dr. Yongi Cho. Um, if you don't know who that is, he, he, he only passed away a couple of years ago. But up until that point, he pastored the largest church in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people in South Korea. And it wasn't just a cute church, a little comfortable church. These were people of prayer. And he writes in his book, and if you, you can go on YouTube and look up these guys. 6 a.m., thousands of people rocking up to pray and seek the face of God. That, that, that nation has this sense of peace. And he actually attributed it, attributed it to the fact that people pray. People actually pray that God would have his hand upon that nation. And one of the things that he says in his book is this. Our primary thing that we must be doing is praying as believers. It's not something that we pick up when we need it, but it's something daily that we need to apply to our hearts and to our lives. You know, as I'm flicking through the book of Acts this week, I noticed something, that there are only a few chapters within the book of Acts that don't mention the word prayer. Every story has a connection to prayer. And even where the word prayer might not be mentioned, you can tell it's because of the fruits of their prayers. Because we know there's a sense of daily prayer, daily communion with God, the miracles, the signs and the wonders. It all points back to us, them seeking and, and, and kneeling and seeking the face of God and hum, humbling themselves and saying, God, would you move? God, would you, would you do amazing things? God, would you move within our midst? Just to, for the first few chapters, what were the disciples doing when Jesus left? They were together with one accord praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, what were they doing? They were praying. They were asking God to send the Holy Spirit. What were they doing here as we're reading now? They devoted themselves to temple prayer, to daily prayer, personally and in the temple. In the next chapter, chapter 3, literally the next verses, you can see the story of how Peter lifted up the lame man and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. What were they doing? They were on their way to the prayer meeting. And they most likely probably prayed that morning and so on and so on. You literally see prayer is, is, is saturated through the book of Acts. And if we're meant to be the extension of this book, the acts of followers of Jesus, then prayer needs to be something that we are completely and totally devoted to in our hearts and in our lives. Why? Why was the early church, why should believers be devoted to prayer? Well, it's because our King of Kings and Lord of Lords has actually demonstrated and modeled to us that prayer must be a priority. The Son of God, Jesus he didn't just operate in his own strength and his own ability. He prayed daily to the Father. There's this amazing story in Mark chapter 1. Jesus has just started his ministry and, and, and he's doing exactly what the book of Isaiah said that he would do. He's come to set the captives free. He's come to release the kingdom of God. Everyone bound in chains and, and, and held back. I'm that. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And literally, demons are being released People who are lame and blind are being healed. The kingdom is being preached. The Sermon on the Mount has gone out and it's the best thing we've ever heard and will ever hear. Jesus' sermon, his message of love and hope. If we build our life upon the rock and not on sand, we will weather the storm. And then the next thing that happens in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Jesus withdrew himself from the crowds, withdrew himself from the needs, the healings. There's always going to be another thing. There's always going to be another task at hand. There's always going to be another thing to clean in the house. There's always going to be another thing to address at work. But Jesus prioritized prayer. And early in the morning, he went to pray. The story literally says the disciples are like, where's Jesus? 
We don't know where he is. And they're, and they're telling him, Jesus, there's hundreds of people that heard what you did yesterday and, and you need to come and do your thing. And Jesus coming back from the place of prayer, asking the Father, what should I do today? He says, we actually need to move on. God's told me that we need to go to another town, to another region. There's always going to be needs. There's always going to be tasks. But there's a direction from the Father every day that we will not receive unless we get on our knees and pray before God. He says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon, Peter, who, uh, and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also, for this is why I came out. A sense of purpose and direction came when Jesus prioritized prayer. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. We're not left naive, not sure how to pray. We actually unpacked the Lord's Prayer last week. And in Jesus' final moments, what is he doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's praying. He's asking God for strength. He's like, God, I can't, I can't do this. Sweating blood, fearful of what is coming next. Prayer was the thing that actually got him to the cross. His humanity in that moment was very real. He's like, God, I don't know if I can do this. Being tormented by darkness, Jesus is like, you know what I need to do? I need to pray. And prayer was literally the thing that catapulted him up onto the cross. He handed his life over. I reckon if Jesus didn't pray, he probably would have opened his mouth. But what did he do when he was being questioned? He closed his mouth. He had heaven's perspective. It was prayer that literally saw him put himself on the cross. Again, I want to ask you this morning, is prayer something that you're devoted to in your life? Are you steadfast in prayer? Are you consistent in prayer? If you're not, the question then is, well, what are you devoted to? Because we're all devoted to something. And for some of us, there are some good and maybe even some bad things that we need to become undevoted to. If that's a word, I'm not sure. Just let it flow for now. And become devoted to prayer. Let it become a priority in our life. For many of us, we, we're like, you know, I don't pray because prayer doesn't work. And it's because we prayed once and nothing happened and we get discouraged. But the thing is, if you want prayer to be effective, you've got to be devoted to it. It's got to be a consistent thing in your heart and in your life. Um, I love this quote. William Temple, former archbishop, says this, When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Who's experienced that in their life? And it was so funny. One day I was praying. I was like, God, today, send me out. I want to preach your gospel. I want to go do your thing. It wasn't a Saturday. It was a work day. I'm like, God, just wherever, wherever I'm at today, bring people along my path today. And I ran into an old school friend, totally random. Like, absolutely. I could not believe it. Like, just totally out of the way. I haven't seen this guy in six years. And he's like, and he begins to talk to me. He's like, hey, you've started a church, hey? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I need to get back into church. And like, that's how the conversation started. I'm like, wow coincidence like that is that's it's because I prayed and because my heart was ready and because God was like all right there's a ready person today I, I'm God's moving the puzzle pieces God's moving the chess pieces looking for people who are praying who are faithful to send out onto his mission and see amazing kingdom work happen in our life and so through the life of Jesus in the early church we see that true followers of God are devoted to prayer true followers of God are devoted to prayer that effective Christianity is totally reliant on prayer. You want to know why your prayers aren't being answered? You want to know why maybe that person didn't get healed when you prayed for them? 
Maybe there's not a devotion in your life. Maybe there's not a sense of I'm praying daily, I'm meeting daily with the Father. Of course, God's, God's will and God's sovereignty, but also a devoted disciple praying and asking God, not just once or twice, but consistently in their life. If you show me an effective, faithful, powerful Christian, I'll show you a person of prayer. If you show me a church that is on fire, effective, fruitful, powerful, and Christ-like, I'll show you a church that's praying. That'll be the fruits. That will be the results. And another challenging question I want to ask you this morning. If you want to know how dependent you are on God, have a look at your prayer life. The level to which you pray is the level to which you're dependent on God. Think about it. If you're desperately dependent on God, which is not a sign of immaturity, it's a sign of maturity. If you're desperately dependent on God for what he's called you to do and just to see out the day, then you're going to pray. But if you're not dependent on God, you're just going to get up, move on with your life and rely on your own strength that day. Dependent people pray. Dependent people are devoted to God. The level to which you pray is the level to which you depend on God. Here's the thing. Devoted prayer, as we've just read, has, has amazing fruits. Has amazing fruits. Of course, with the other things that we're going to unpack later. But unity, generosity, there's no greed. There's a sense of radical lifestyle. People's needs being met. People being saved. This community not just meeting once a week, but meeting regularly. That These are the fruits of prayer. But beyond just this passage, the fruits of prayer are clarity. Do you want to know the will of God for your life? Do you want to know what decision to make? Do you want to, do you want to know God's word? Pray. Closeness to God. Some of us were like, oh, God's distant in my life or this or that. No, you're distant. God's not distant. You're distant from him. He, he, he lives on the inside of you. He's all around us. You just got to look at nature. Just got to look around you. Just interact with people. There's lots of Jesuses walking around. But there's a sense of like that there's this distance. It's not on God. It's on us. It's on us to seek his face. Closeness of God comes when we're devoted to prayer. Comfort comes when we're devoted to prayer. Fruitfulness comes when we're devoted to prayer. And miracles start to break out when we are devoted to prayer. There's two things I want to unpack as we're coming to a close here this morning. There are things that stop devoted prayer, right? Maybe it's like, yeah, Sam, I get it. But there are things in my life that stop me from being devoted to prayer. And I'm putting my hand up here this morning and say, yeah, I get it. I understand it. Let's unpack those things. The first thing that stops devoted prayer is giving into the flesh. That moment where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he's not just praying by himself. He's praying with the disciples. And he asks them to tarry with him, to continue with him, to pray with him. And Jesus goes back once, twice, and he finds the disciples asleep. In Jesus's most needed moment, when Jesus needed the most support that he has ever needed in the fullness of his ministry, the disciples are asleep. And what does Jesus say to them? Pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'm here to tell you, your flesh hates prayer. It doesn't like it. Your intellect doesn't want, it can't compute praying in tongues. It doesn't understand it. It wants you to reject it. But the spirit is willing. Something that stops devoted prayer is our flesh. And what we need to do is push through that, lean into the Spirit. Because the Spirit wants to bring good things out of us. The Spirit wants to lead us into that. But when we're just listening to the fruits of the flesh, that's what we're going to listen to. But devoted prayer begins to learn and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
If you want to understand that teaching further, read Jensen Franklin's book on fasting. Totally revolutionized my understanding of fasting and prayer and also the flesh. Fasting kills the flesh. It literally, it, it does that. You're, 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 in, you're reducing your body's ability to scream messages at you as you begin to fast. And you actually become more in tune with what the Spirit's saying. Number two, read the book, you understand it. Number two, things that stop devoted prayer is a lack of priority or discipline. All of us have the same time in the week. And the thing that happens is, oh, I'm too busy. No, you're not too busy. There's a lack of priority. There's a lack of priority. Number three, things that stop devoted prayer is pride. And I hate to say it this morning, but most of this is rooted in this idea that we don't need God. That, that I can go about my day and live my life. But who knows, in a couple of weeks' time, you arrive at the wall that is your own strength. And then we ask ourselves, where's God? And God's like, I've been here waiting for two weeks to give you the strength that only I can give you. I've been waiting to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, but it takes you to humble yourself, get on your knees and ask me and start to pray. The fourth thing that stops devoted prayer is believing the lie that God doesn't listen. Come on, who's come to that point where you're like, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. And we pray and we're like, nothing, nothing happened. Didn't hear the voice of God. Welcome to prayer. That's what prayer is like. Sometimes God doesn't answer instantly. Imagine if God was a microwave. We would just abuse and use that person. But God, God knows what we need in the exact moment at the exact right time. And it's up to us to be faithful to seek and hunger after his face. And when we go into prayer, we're like, oh man, like, nah, no, nah, God's not going to listen to me. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. God wants to listen to you. We see in the story of Daniel, he's doing a fast for 21 days. And he fasts faithfully for 21 days and hears nothing, senses nothing. But on the 21st day, an angel appears to him and says, Daniel, I've been sent from heaven to answer your prayer. In fact, we've been working ever since day one, the passage says. So Daniel, not knowing what is going on in the unseen, doesn't realize his faithfulness to those 21 days of prayer. Even though he didn't sense anything, hear anything, God was working on his behalf in the background. Sometimes we just don't even know what God is doing. But don't worry about that. Let God do the impossible and let us do the possible and start to pray. Number five, the fifth thing that stops devoted prayer is a lack of faith. The belief that God will not move even if I pray. What does the Word of God say? It is impossible to please Him without faith. And those who want to draw near to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And lastly, I think this is the main reason why we stop at the, at the point where we feel like we want to start being devoted to prayers. Number six, we actually don't know how to pray. We're like, how do, how do, I, how do I do that? I, I've been there. And literally, like, within the last few months, I'm like, how do I do this? How, how, how do I pray? Like, sometimes I'm like, man, what's going on? There's actually so much richness in God's Word that allows us to know and understand how we are to pray. And the first thing, and we're going to unpack that, and then we're going to land this ship. Here are some keys to effective prayer. If we want to be a people who are devoted to prayer to see the amazing things happen in our life, then we also need to understand how to pray. And here's some keys to effective prayer. Number one, you need to use your voice and open your heart. Use your voice and open your heart. Of course, there is a space for um, prayer that you're just sitting and waiting and sensing. But I want to encourage you, before you get to that point, start to open your mouth. Start to use that vocal, that, that vocal box chords thing that God has given you to start to declare and ask God for His amazing work. 
Prayer only happens and works when there's an open heart, not a reluctant heart, not a closed off heart. It works when there is an open heart. The second thing is this, faith. A key to effective prayer is that we need to come to it in faith. Mark 11 verse 24 says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Psalm 145 verse 18, The Lord is near to all who call him. Let this be a promise to you. God is near when you pray. God is near when, you, when you're reaching out to him. But that takes faith. It takes the conviction of what Psalm 145, but also the faith to actually proactively do that. So the first key is to open your voice, open your heart. Secondly, begin to pray in faith. Thirdly, prayer requires humility and honesty. Humility and honesty. Second Chronicles 7 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive them their sin and I'll heal their land. This is a verse in the Old Testament, but isn't it amazing that in Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of this very scripture, that if people will humble themselves and pray, God will hear and heal their land. In um, uh, Psalm 6, 2, it says this, Have mercy on me, O God, for I am faint. You know, prayer requires not perfection. Prayer requires just honesty. Now, there are times where I'm literally beginning to pray, and I feel God saying, I'm hearing things from your mouth, but there's more going on in your heart. Come on, start to just express your heart. I, Sam, I'm, I'm a mind reader. Don't bother with trying to give me eloquent phrases and these and thous. Just pray. Just talk to me. Be honest. Let me know where you're at. At, at your point of honesty will come your miracle. God's waiting for you to express where you're at. God's waiting for you to come to that place of honesty. The next thing is sonship. Matthew 6, 6 to 9 says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees you in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, this is really practical here, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. When you pray, Pray a sentence and move on. Don't, don't keep repeating things 10 times. And of course, there's a place for intercession and praying. But when you're just wanting to spend time with God, don't worry about trying to work out an essay to get to God. Just say it. Just say it in a sentence. Say it in a moment. Don't heap up empty words. It's not works. It's just genuine relationship with God. Don't be like them for your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Pray then like this. And it goes into the amazing prayer. Our, our father in heaven holy is your name. Prayer requires that we actually have our identity right in God, that we're not approaching a distant person who somewhat knows us, but we're actually approaching our very Father. And when we come as sons and come as daughters, it's the entryway. It actually allows us to go, you know what, God sees my brokenness. God sees my, my, my weak points in my life, but the Father cares for me. The Father loves me. Matthew 7 going on says this, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is perfect, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? Sometimes we feel like we can't ask God because I've not done good enough things or, or, or this or that. No, just remember you're a son. You're a daughter, and the reason that you can pray, the reason you can approach the throne room boldly is because of Christ and Christ crucified. The next thing is this. Prayer, effective key to prayer is partnering with the Spirit. 
partnering with the Spirit. Not working against the Spirit, but actually working with the Spirit. Romans 8 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So God actually knows that we're weak. God knows that we need help. And sometimes He even knows, as it goes on, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know, the amazing thing about prayer is while we might feel like it's just us and we're trying to talk to God, the Holy Spirit is relaying that message to Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father and Jesus is also interceding on our behalf, talking to God. The next thing is asking, seeking and knocking. The sense of consistency, the sense of devotion. Matthew 7 again, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. There's another passage of Scripture that says, you have not because you ask not. That's not just a famous saying. That, that's the Bible. We need to be a people who ask. That, that's effective prayer. Don't, don't be timid or afraid that you can't ask God for requests. God actually longs that you would ask Him. And that passage actually goes on, and we've just read it before, that God gives good gifts to His children. Third last thing. Understanding, the next key to effective prayer is understanding the spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And in the famous passage of the Lord's armor, God's armor that we're meant to take on. Therefore, pick up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Prayer, though sometimes it can feel passive or feel like it's, it, there's not much going on. There's a lot going on in what we can't see and what we can't sometimes understand. And when we pray, we're breaking things off of people. We're breaking things off of our lives as we declare in the name of Jesus. Next key to effective prayer is confidence of answers. Confidence of answers. First John 5 says this, and this, is the, and this is the confidence that we have, have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, when we pray, and, and I've, been, I've been, this has been my prayer life as well. I was like, God, if you, if, you, if, you, if you want to do this, if you feel like it today. So no, have a confidence that what you're praying for, God wants to answer. Come with faith. Come with the confidence that my God is good. He's my Father. He has, he has His best interest for me. And God, I, I need this. I need that. Or this person needs this or needs that. God, I need revelation today. God's not going to withhold revelation from you. James says, if anyone wants wisdom, all he needs to do is ask God. Second, uh, actually, last thing here this morning. Second last thing, sorry. The second last key to effective prayer is a righteous lifestyle. And here we have the tension of, of some of the things that I've said this morning. Whilst we're meant to come in our brokenness and our humility and say, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Thank you for your grace. The tension also is that effective prayer also is linked to a righteous lifestyle. That when we live holy in the pursuit of not perfection, but in the pursuit of Jesus, Christ bestows his blessing upon that. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And Proverbs 15 says this, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to Him. And if you want to go do some reading or homework, read Isaiah 1. 
Isaiah 1 literally is God's rebuke to the whole nation of Israel saying, I don't care, literally, I don't care for your worship. I don't care for your sacrifices because of the heart that you're coming and approaching it. You come into my house trying to act all holy, but during the week you're doing this and you're doing that. This is the message of Isaiah 1. And literally it says, I don't listen to your prayer. When you don't live that lifestyle, when you don't uh, live the way that I've called you to live. But thank you, Jesus, that he empowers us to live that righteous life in his name. And lastly, the effective key to prayer is devotion. Is to be consistent, is to be persistent, and is actually to take time out of our schedules in our calendar and say, God, this moment, this day, I'm going to start to be devoted. It might start as five minutes. It might start as 15. It might grow towards half an hour. It might even expand to an hour. Whatever it is, if it's consistent, if it's devoted, God's going to hear that. God's going to bless that. We long for this amazing picture of this community, but one of the things that that community did is that they were devoted to prayer. And let us hear that today and begin to apply it to our lives. Why don't we stand to our feet here this morning? If Carl could come up, that'd be awesome. You know, this year, at the beginning of the year, we said that this was the year that we go deeper. We've gone on this journey of, of putting our roots deep into God's Word and deep into our commitment to Him. And while deeper is, of course, about trying to learn and understand more revelation, beyond that, deeper is actually going deeper in our commitment to God, deeper in our devotion to Him. And prayer is one of those ways that we're actually able to enhance ourselves to go deeper in our walk with Him. And so this morning, I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing upon all of us today that we would be devoted to prayer, that we'd be devoted to seeking after the heart of God, seeking after the face of God. And if you this morning struggle in this area, like we all do, I just want to encourage you here today. There is strength, there is grace, and there is mercy and ability, skill for you to actually be able to pray and seek the heart of God. 